host is Jonathan Art from American Dream Sports, and we're back again. I, I've been on my grind, man. I, I'm really feeling good, man. I finally uh, feel like I got my swagger back. I got my mojo back, or whatever you want to say. Um, I just I feel a lot better mentally over the last week after everything that's happened. Finally, feel like I'm getting back on track. I feel like I'm getting, I feel like I'm taking the next steps in this podcast and in other areas of my life. I just feel like my life is improving again. Um, life goes through peaks and valleys, and I definitely feel like I'm in, I'm, I'm not at a peak, but I feel like I'm rising to one right now. In this episode today, we're going to be talking about uh, games one through three of the Western Conference Finals, and as well as uh, games one and two of the Eastern Conference Finals. And then depending on how much time we have left, I have a little bit of like a kind of like a game idea. Uh and I'm a I'm a play. So we're gonna start in the Western Conference. We're gonna start with the the Western Conference finals between the uh Phoenix Suns and the uh Los Angeles Clippers. I can get back. If I can get back. All right. First game. Suns won game one, 120 to 114. Uh, they won behind a 40-point triple-double effort by Devin Booker. Um, I, I've been waiting. I know a lot of people have been saying, Devin Booker's a star. Devin Booker's a superstar. And I think Devin Booker's been a star player. You can become a star in this league in the regular season. But you become a superstar either A, by... The the only way you can become a superstar in the regular season is if you're an MVP candidate. That's pretty much about it. Otherwise, you become a superstar in the playoffs. Um, You know, having, you know six, seven years in a row of regular season excellence might get you consideration for a superstar. One playoff run can be you can become a superstar in one playoff run. We've seen it with Trey Young. And I think we're seeing it with Devin Booker as well. Um Devin Booker's a superstar now guys. Um I know people were suggesting he was a superstar before this trying to argue because of his bag of tools on the offensive side of the ball just how much he can score just means he's a superstar and for me it just I just couldn't give it to him because yes he can score but he was only a decent rebounder he was a good but not great passer for for the two guard spot he's not a very good defender and their team never really made the playoffs. So for me, as good of a scorer as he is, and as efficient as he is, as good of a leader as I thought he was, as much impact on the game of basketball and the Phoenix Suns he had, before the arrival of Chris Paul, I just don't feel like I was ready to give him that title of superstar because he had not shown it when it mattered the most. Bunch of stuff just popped up on my computer screen. Give me a minute. There we are. I took care of it all there. Um, but I just feel like 
this playoff series has has shown kind of what most people have known all along. He's not just a regular season killer, he's a playoff killer too. 40-point triple-double. It's his first career triple-double, and they do it in the conference finals. I mean, that's that's huge. No Chris Paul. And it was it was pretty amazing. Um, Paul George put up 34 in the losing effort. Can't blame him for the loss. Terrence Mann, I think he had his five seconds of glory. And then he kind of just he fell off again, back to being what he was before. Although Reggie Jackson is showing that he might be something special after the fall of Kawhi Leonard. He had 24 and 6, which is exactly what you want from a playoff point guard. Rondo came in, played some quality minutes. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins got some scoring and some key minutes for the Clippers. Bridges had 14, Aiton had 20 and 9. But, I mean, without that superhero effort from Booker, I mean, I I, I would pretty much consider this a carrying effort. Um, he doubled Aiton scoring, uh, who was the second leading scorer. He got more rebounds than Aiton did. Of course, he had the most assists, even than Cameron Payne, who is a a definite pass-first point guard. So, definitely a carrying, definitely a carrying job done there. Um, the other players around him played well. Like, as a collective effort compared to him, it was good. But no other player really stuck out nearly as much as Booker did in that game. And I'm one of the first guys to give teams uh, priority when I give credit rather than singular players, unless there's a superhero effort. Uh, like that game was from Devin Booker. Then game two, of course, we saw a different hero, DeAndre Ayton, the monster alley-oop dunk to win the game. I mean, that was nuts. Um, but that was all let up because Paul George missed two free throws. Although, I don't say I can give him all the blame because Here's the issue. NBA players are human. You cannot rely on one singular player to win you games. One singular player this deep in the playoffs is not going to be able to will you to victory unless it's LeBron James from four or five years ago. There isn't anybody else like that in the NBA right now. With how competitive the teams are, with how competitive the level of play is right now, you cannot rely on one singular player. Even for three, four, five minutes, even especially at end of games, to win you games. It's not going to be able to happen consistently. Paul George missed those two free throws. But, but Paul George had like the last 10 points for the Clippers before that. Nobody else was showing up to help him. He had too much on his plate. He played 41 minutes. And he just fell short. He was exhausted. Paul George has always been one of those guys who is... I would consider Paul George a superstar. Um, and I think Paul George has been a superstar. For the last couple of years, for the last several seasons, actually, because for me, 
you can't turn off being a superstar. You can't be a superstar one season and then two years later, barring a cataclysmic fall off or retirement injuries, God forbid, death or something terrible, uh, you don't lose your superstar ability unless of a cataclysmic. Like, People have been saying, yeah, LeBron's falling off X, Y, and Z's lost a step. Yeah, LeBron's lost a step or two, but that, he's still a superstar. He's a megastar. I mean, come on. There's there's rising stars, stars, superstars, and megastars. Um, for me, there's about four players who are megastars. Um, and for me, for me personally, uh, to be a megastar, you either have to make a massive impact on team success, playoff success, regular season success, something for multiple seasons, for three-plus seasons to be considered a mega. You have to play like an MVP almost level or there's a projection that you will continue to do so for years beyond to become a megastar. Uh, so guys like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry are the megastars of our league with Giannis. If Giannis reaches the finals this season, he will be a megastar. And there will be four um, players in the future I could see becoming megastars. Um, James Harden, if he wins a championship, will also reach that tier. because. For the same reason I wouldn't put Giannis in that category, is the same reason I wouldn't put Harden in that category. Or Kawhi. Because as well as team playoff success he has had, he's never been close to winning an MVP. And so I wouldn't consider him a megastar because he won two championship rings. The first championship ring he won as a finals MVP, he was not their best player. He was not the San Antonio Spurs' best player. Um, he had probably he had the best series, uh, but he wasn't their best player, and he definitely wasn't a superstar at that point. I don't think he became a superstar until two, maybe even three seasons after that point. Um, and then Kawhi Leonard won that championship with the Raptors. Um, we saw what happened with the Raptors. Uh, obviously, it was like a Cinderella story with the Raptors. Um, they were down two zero to the Bucks. Bucks fall apart. They advance to the finals. Warriors fall apart, mostly to injuries, but also to just not ha just not having enough. They rushed KD back. That was their own mistake. That wasn't, oh, if that, that blah, that one. No, the Klay Thompson thing is if that would have happened, whatever. But not the Kevin Durant thing, because they rushed him back. That is, that's their own fault. So um, the Raptors came back and won that, but I, I am still not convinced that Kawhi Leonard is a megastar. Um, so, yeah, like I said, um, AD is not a megastar, obviously. He plays with LeBron. He disqualifies himself. He hasn't done anything to get anywhere. I, he hasn't gotten anything to get anywhere near. I know he's won a championship ring, but he hasn't really gotten close to an MVP. He hasn't won a defensive player of the year. I don't even think he's won a scoring title. Um, he hasn't really, I mean, he's won an all-star game MVP, um, but that's about it. I mean, he didn't do anything with the Pelicans. 
Uh, I know people rip on Giannis for not doing anything for the Bucks, but AD really didn't do anything for the Pelicans. Playoff success. Mind you, he had a similar team to what Giannis had uh, two years ago. Uh, the conference finals, like conference finals Raptors team. Um, it was him who was considered to be on the same level as Giannis. Um, and um, he had Drew Holiday, who Giannis has now. Um, and then he had some other, he had uh, Miritich, and who Giannis ended up having as well. So they have had similar teammates, but obviously Giannis has done more. Um, and you can't say it's better coaching because we've seen Coach Bud's failures. You've seen his tremendous successes, but you've also seen his tremendous failures as well. So right now, for me, there's three megastars. Luka Doncic could reach that by by either uh, winning an MVP or actually he probably have to win several MVPs because Giannis isn't in that category yet, and he's a two-time MVP and a Defensive Player of the Year. I know some people would consider him a megastar. Um, I I say pretty much probably no matter what at the end of the season he is just because he got him to the conference finals again. Um, he beat the Nets like that's a significant. He he proved himself. If there's any singular moment that made, if Giannis is to be one of or the greatest player of all time, his Game 7 Nets performance was his coming out party. Yeah, he had already won two MVPs. He's already won a Defensive Player of the Year. They've already been to the Conference Finals. He's already averaged 30 points and 10 rebounds a game for a series, and et cetera, et cetera. But he's never really won a close series before. He hasn't. Um, the first round series, obviously way back, a couple years back with Detroit, um, it was over. They won four games easy. Boston was five. They got a real challenge. They fell apart and lost in six. Then the following season after that, of course, five games with the Magic, and they lost in five games of the Heat. Then the next, they came back this year swept the heat off the floor, came back, struggled against the Nets and KD, found a way to come back, won in seven games, and now are tied in the conference finals with the Hawks after beating the Hawks by about 40 points. So I think the Bucks have found their final form. They have found their image of what it's going to take to win them a championship game, or a championship. Um, I don't believe either of these teams from the Western Conference can match up with the Bucks. A fully healthy Clippers team might, but they're not going to have a fully healthy Clippers team, and I don't think these this Clippers team is getting past reentry. So that'll be that'll be for possibly a different episode or later. And then Game Three, after supposedly just completely falling off the cliff. Uh, the Clippers come back with a 14-point win. Chris Paul had 15 and 12 in his return. Uh, Booker was wearing his face mask thing. Uh, 15, 5, and 5, 8, and 18, and 9. They lost by 14. Paul George had a 27-point, 15-rebound, 8-assist game. Reggie Jackson came back with 23 again, and the Clippers handled their business. All two Clippers are a different thing, man. See, what's really weird about this as if we were to see a Clippers Bucks uh, finals, man, the first two games would be really ugly. 
I wouldn't be surprised if both teams didn't score above 95 points. Both games one and two, they reach the finals. Because neither team is very good in game ones. We've we've seen that. Game twos, the Clippers struggle. The Bucks have came back. But like I said, game two of the Miami Heat series was really close. Um, game two, they got smacked off the floor by the Nets. And then now, of course, they won by 40 or so those last games. But I, I just think that's interesting. And then, obviously, when it gets to the middle games, like game threes, game fours, Bucks, the Clippers are very good at those. Um, but that that's that's nuts, man. I mean, that's it's crazy. I I don't know. I don't know what team matches up better with the Bucks because I think the Bucks are gonna finish this series in six. I have the Hawks one more game. I give Trey Young one more game. It might be game three. It might be game four. I don't know. But I think what's going to end up happening is the Hawks are going to struggle in game three again. They're going to come back home. They're going to play well, but they're not going to have momentum. And I think the Bucks are going to win a close one. I think it's going to be about an eight-point game. I think the Bucks are going to pull it out. It's going to be like a 111-103 kind of scenario. Uh, Giannis is going to have 38 and 12. Uh, Holiday's going to have 20 and 8. And Middleton's going to have 17. Um, but I think the Bucks are going to struggle to get um, bench players going on the road again. I think either Portis or Brooke is going to struggle, and the bench is going to kind of have a rough night. But I think the defense is going to be there. I think Trey Young's going to put up like a 40 piece. I don't think it's going to matter. Um, and then I think in game four, um, the Hawks are going to have their game where they can't miss. They're going to win it. They're going to tie up the series. And then the Bucks are going to come back home. They're going to get another statement win. The Hawks are going to say, okay, let's come home. Let's finish our business. And let's see what happens in game seven. And the Bucks aren't going to let them. And the Bucks are going to finally figure it out on the road. And they're going to finish it off, and they're going to win by 10, 12 points in game six. The season is going to be over, and they're going to meet one of these two teams in the finals. Uh, before the series, um, I had I, I, I had Hawks in, or uh, Bucks in six, and I still have Bucks in six. Um, uh, although I was talking to my dad, and I said I wouldn't be surprised if it was a sweep by the Bucks because if they can put it together, they'll sweep them. I just don't know if they'll be able to put it together. And that's what we saw in game one, was we saw that they couldn't put it together. They lost a close game, and they wasted a near triple-double from the MVP. They just wasted it. 34 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists. They just wasted it. They also wasted a career night from Drew Holiday, who had 33 points and 10 assists. Now, if you would have told me, that Giannis was going to have a near triple-double, and Drew Holiday was going to have a 33-point 10-assist game, I would have said we would have won by 20. I would have said, forget it. I don't care what the other guys put up. You're telling me those two guys are going to buy him for 67 points, 19 assists, and 16 rebounds? This game is over. Middleton, another struggling effort, like 6 for 23, 15 and 5. Connaughton was terrible. 
Fortis had a nice night. Lopez struggled. P.J. Tucker struggled. Got some rebounds. Got horribly outplayed in the last four minutes of the game. Mind you, there were, there were reasons for this. Um, of course, there's always reasons for everything. Um, they didn't lock up Trey Young at all. Um, the officiating continues to be, I want to say, inconsistent. Uh, it feels like sometimes the officials want to call, call it like a playoff game, and other times they they want to call it like a like game thirty nine of the regular season. I think sometimes they want to say, no, I know we're going to review this rule next year. Let's start by not calling it now. And other times they're like, well, this is a problem for next year, so we're just going to call it as much as we can now. It just doesn't make much sense. Um, Pat Connaughton and P.J. Tucker are getting picked on by the officials. It's almost like because they're, I would, I would consider those two guys probably our biggest hustle players. Bobby Portis is in that category as well, I, as is Giannis, of course. But Giannis isn't going to get tic-tac-cheap fouls called on him a whole lot. I mean, he might a few times if it's Trey Young coming to the basket. But for the most part, he's not going to pick up cheap fouls because he's a superstar. And, of course, as much as what happens happens, they're not going to want to get just get rid of the superstar from the opposite team, make it a boring game. But Connaughton and P.J. Tucker, man, they try to fight off these screens and they get called for fouls for fighting off screens. It's kind of dumb. But the other thing about it is, is then the Bucks go on down the court, something happens, and the refs do a makeup call, I call it. They just, oh, yep, he touched him. Yeah, maybe not be a foul, but we call a foul on the other end, so now we got to call a foul here. So foul on Herder or um, Capella. Capella's been getting bullied. But that's just kind of how it's been going. I, I hope that they can get it situated because the officiating has not been very good. And I, I think in the first half, even though the Bucks before the Bucks went on their massive, like, 20 to nothing run, honestly, I think the game could have been a 50-point game or that run would have happened a couple minutes sooner but like the refs would kept we kept making these like late calls. Like all of a sudden the Bucks would have the rebound and kind of start the break. All of a sudden you hear a whistle. No, there was a foul back here. Whatever. It's like if you're gonna call it, at least call it right away. And then it would stop the momentum completely, and then the Hawks would hit a three-pointer or something like that. I Scott Foster, I think they fixed it. I think by about the middle of the second quarter. No. Not even the middle of the second quarter. Three, four minutes into the second quarter, they kind of fixed it. They didn't call anything like that kind of for the rest of the game. Because I think everybody in the building, we were hitting, we started like five, five or six, six from three. Giannis was getting to the paint and bullying people like he always does. I think everybody in the building, fans, players, coaches, heck, 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 heck even the officials could tell it was going to be a blowout. So the Bucks went on their massive run, and that was pretty much it. I don't know. I don't know if the Hawks. 
I don't know how the Hawks are going to come back from what they said. I know that they are very well coached, however. And uh, I think Nate McMillan could really, like, boost them up again, say, hey, don't worry. We got one on the road. That's all we can ask for. Now, you could say that if both games were hard fought. Like, let's say they won, they stole, because the Hawks stole game one, and then only lost game two by eight, maybe 10, 12 points. As a Hawks player, fan, or coach, you could go into game three going, Really can beat these guys. But you see that monumental performance from Trey Young, that 48 point game. Bucks look terrible. It's just 48 points from Trey Young, and they only won by three. The Bucks look awful. They looked completely lost. Now the Bucks look to be at their final form, although that being said, Middleton still didn't play that well. He played. I would say decent, but we all know he can play better. We saw it. We saw it in the Brooklyn series, and we certainly saw it in the Miami series before that. So the final form for the Bucks is something scary. I think all it takes is Budenholzer just not messing it up. And I think if he just doesn't mess it up and just plays it well, Giannis just doesn't shoot threes. We built the team with shooters around him, and he's like the only guy on the team that can't shoot. Seriously. Everybody else on the team can shoot. Holiday, though inconsistent, has shown he can shoot. He's been huge in these last couple of games. Middleton. We know Middleton can shoot. P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker can shoot. He's kind of inconsistent sometimes, but he really can get it going. Brooke Lopez is great from the corner. He can shoot threes. Splash Mountain. Guys coming off the bench. Jeff Teague can shoot. Bryn Forbes. Pat Connaughton. You know, these guys coming off the these guys coming off the bench, they can shoot the ball. So Bobby Portis can shoot the ball. Everybody can shoot, but Giannis. I don't want Giannis taking shots outside of 15 feet. Uh, he had a couple of mid-range shots. He had a couple of turnaround shots, a couple of post hooks, up and unders. That Statue of Liberty spin thing that he did was amazing. I don't think I would have seen this from Giannis two years ago. In fact, I didn't see this from Giannis two years ago. Really, what is the difference in Giannis's game from now until two from two years ago? He's a better passer. He's a more willing passer, and he's got more moves in the paint. He looks more explo- He looks even more explosive. He looks more determined and aggressive as a finisher to the basket. He's got that spin move finger roll. He's got a hook shot. He's got a a baby hook now. He's working on this fadeaway that looks pretty decent. Um, he's he's got a regular hook shot. He's got, uh, you know, the up and under. He's looked like he's got the up and under down. He's got a variety of layups. He's still has the same power he's always had. Um, but he just looks like a more experienced player. 
Like, this is the best version of Giannis we've ever seen. Um, and the only reason he did not continue his streak of 30 points and 10 rebounds like he had had in the previous six games is because they were winning by 35. So he only played 29 minutes, which means he's going into the next game rested and fresh. Giannis's game carries. We know that. Giannis's game carries on the road. We, we know that 100%. But I, I got to know, who, who else, whose game carries besides Giannis's? I think Brooke Lopez, I think his game travels pretty well, too. Um, but I want to see Holiday. I want to see Middleton. I want to see Portis, Connaughton, Forbes, everybody else. I want to see, I want to see if their game carries. I believe it does. Um, Bogdanovich's health has been a concern for the Atlanta Hawks. So now Cam Reddish is seeing minutes, but Cam Reddish has never seen the playoffs before. Um, he's a very raw prospect, um, and he's dealing with an Achilles issue. The Hawks need 45 points in Trey Young probably every game. He's going to have to average 45 a night. They're going to win. And even if Trey Young gets 45 a night, if the Bucs contain the other players, it's over. I think this is a six-game series. I think Atlanta finds one more game, although I wouldn't be surprised if they don't after this last game's massacre. I don't think the, I don't know if the Hawks can reach that next level that the Bucs are at. But we'll find out. This is Jonathan Art from American Dream Sports signing off. God bless. I'll see you next time.